Hi, everybody. Welcome to Automation Untangled. My name is Matt Agnew, and I am here with Emma Roloff today. Hi, Emma. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for joining us. And I, I was telling Emma before we got started here that you know, Emma is on pretty much every social channel. I think there is. So it feels like I, I know her so well because I've seen, I saw a video of you lying down in the rain in the street once. I saw you, four of you dancing in your basement. It's just fantastic. So I, I definitely feel like I, I know you so well. Well, I hope that I've uh, authentically <laughs> represented myself and a little bit of my weirdness out on the internet as well. Well, I, I find it so interesting because not a lot of people, I think, have really successfully melted social media platforms with their kind of business and work side. So, and you've done it so well. So where does this passion come from to kind of talk about digital transformation and intelligent automation and stuff on social channels? Where does that come from? Um, well, admittedly, it was a little bit of an accident or happy accident, I suppose. Um, so I didn't start in this industry. I found my way into it um, by way of referral to working with my previous employer. And um, I got into the industry, started learning a little bit more of it. And um, as you'll be familiar with, especially if you saw the one laying down in the rain, I am very focused on kind of people driven change. And so I have an education background um, with a social studies specific twist to it. So people, how people work with one another, those personal as well as societal dynamics are something that's always been really important to me. And so when I came into the industry, I knew I wanted to be involved in technology, but I didn't know exactly what that was going to look like. Um, and as COVID hit and we all had to reevaluate what we were doing, how we were interacting with one another and getting in front of customers, I started doing video and it strictly started as video that was centered around technology. And then very quickly, I found this way for me to be able to creatively wrap up my feelings on the industry tied to people-driven change through whether it be TikTok or the interview series and that kind of stuff. And so it's kind of just built over time organically. And um, for anybody that's familiar with some of the platforms like TikTok, you sit down and you start scrolling. And if your brain is always on a subject like digital transformation, and you're seeing these people take these different trends and turn them towards whatever their niche is, whether it's fashion or being a mom or you know, name it, there's somebody making content out there about it. It becomes really easy to start making those connections in your brain. Um, and so it's just kind of happened over time. And now I don't watch or consume content without thinking about how it might relate back to the things that I'm passionate about and the stuff that I want to share with people. So maybe it's a bit of a sickness. I'm not sure. <laughs> do you have a favorite? I don't know if it's like picking your favorite child, but do you have a favorite TikTok video that you've done? Um, well, I can say that the one laying in the rain um, was probably the most well-received in terms of like reach that I've gotten, but it also is like a lot of fun to make. Um, yeah. so, and it was one of those videos where a lot of times when you're creating content, people will talk about stuff that you pour like hours into, we'll get like five people to interact with it or look yeah. at it. And then things that you create in the spur of the moment really quickly are going to be things that, you know, suddenly take off. And I was in the office with a bunch of coworkers. We had had just had a 
um, in-person week with a bunch of people around and it was like pouring down rain. And I looked at one of my coworkers and I was like, do you want to come outside with me? And she was like, why, what are we doing? I was like, I need a cameraman and adult supervision. <laughs> like we're going. And it took all of five minutes. I got soaking wet. I came in, I said goodbye to everybody. All my coworkers looked like I looked at me like I was insane. And I went home and changed my clothes. So, I mean, again, it was, it was like a quick spur of the moment thing, but it was a lot of fun. And then it got really good response because the message resonated well with people. Um, and so that that's probably, I don't know if I have like a fully favorite, but when those like moments of like, Hey, let's try this out and see what happens. And it works out is a lot of fun. Yeah. I like the one where there's four of you, I think is that in your basement or cause it's, <laughs> even though I work in technology, that stuff still blows my mind. <laughs> You're able to do that. I was like, there's four of her. How did she do those that? apps, those uh, editing uh, apps and filters can do wonders. I promise. Still just blows my mind. It always makes me think about like, do you ever hear the story when the original King Kong movie came out? Like people were literally vomiting because of how realistic they thought it was like in like the 1930s, but you could like see the zipper in the back, but like back then and then now we are we're easily able to make four of you dancing in your. Yeah. Oh you know? no. It's crazy what we're able to do, especially <laughs> with like the, I mean, what, what gets me is the filters and how quickly they can like alter what is reality and that kind of stuff too. So it's very, it's very interesting to watch all of that emerging. Nice. And you know, another concept I've, I've seen you talk about, and I, I think I responded to one time in one of your LinkedIn posts where talking about digital transformation, and it's, you know, it's one of those IT buzzwords that gets thrown around so much, you know, I've been in the IT space for a while, and you hear it all the time. And for me, it's almost like it's kind of lost its meaning, you know, like you hear it so much, you don't even know what it means. Kind of how are you defining digital transformation these days? Yeah. So to me, I think you're, you're spot on. It's a buzz term and it's used so much that I think I have my definition, which I will share, but I will preface that definition with the idea of, I don't know if it matters what my definition is or what your definition is, if it's not a shared definition that people are using to drive towards a goal. And so like internally within an organization, I think executives as they are kind of embarking on what they believe is a digital transformation, they need to have their own internal definition of what that looks like that's tied to what their business strategy or vision looks like. And that needs to be disseminated across the organization so that everybody who's in the company knows what that shared definition is and starts marching towards that shared goal and that shared vision. Um, when it comes to like what my definition is, I keep it pretty simple. And it's the idea of focusing on your people and your okay. process and how you can make your processes more streamlined or your people more efficient through the use of technology. Now, along on that, like I say simple, and then I add some caveats and some layers <laughs> to it, but when we look at the idea of transformation, it's more than just implementing technology for technology's sake. It's implementing technology to really enable these kind of intangible ideas within an organization, like innovation or a um, engaging culture for your customers or unlocking a great customer experience. We use, and those are all kind of even buzzy words associated with the, that idea. But again, it all comes back to how are you using technology as a tool to enable your people in your processes? And then again, what innovation looks like within your organization or your industry is going to look different than it does for the person down the road. 
And what your journey towards transformation is going to look like is going to be different because you're starting from a different point, which is why I advocate for that idea of like a really strong shared vision and shared definition within your company. Nice. And I think it was even more impressive that you're able to do that without stopping when my gigantic dog jumped up. (laughs) I did see him back there. (laughs) Yeah, that's a spot. That's where we work. And uh, another joy of working from home. But a lot of times he catches people off guard. But yeah, you didn't even. There's a chance that one of my cats might come and get nice while we're having a conversation. (laughs) So I've gotten pretty good at ignoring that stuff. I I love that definition because I like that it's about people too, with digital transformation, because it's a lot of times you hear, and it kind of leads into my next question, where you hear a lot of times with digital transformation, people kind of have certain projects that they associate with digital transformation, but they're not always thought through. Like, I remember one time speaking to someone that worked at a university, and they're like, and they were kind of like, yeah, we have a couple of digital transformation projects going on. The first one we're doing is digital signage. And they were like, so we installed all these screens, all these things, so we could do digital signage everywhere, and now we don't know what to put on them. And, and that made me think, well, obviously it wasn't well thought out, right? And it wasn't well thought out from the business side. So for my next question, you know, with digital transformation, obviously we understand that IT plays a role and developers play a role. But if you had to pick three other kind of typical people in a business that absolutely have to be involved and have to have buy-in, like who would you pick? Like what kind of roles do you think must be involved? I think going back to that idea of a really strong shared vision, I truly believe that that has to come from the top of the organization. It can be influenced at different levels. And of course, there have been use cases or scenarios where transformation has been led kind of like from the collective, from the top or from the bottom up. Mm. Um, But realistically, if we're going to have this discussion, there's budget that needs to be associated with what's happening. You need to have buy-in by the leaders so that projects aren't shut down after you've put time and effort into them. So, I mean, when you take a look at that, your leadership truly has to be lockstep with one another and um, driving that change from from that level. Um, You mentioned IT needs to be a part of it. I think right now what we're starting to see from like an executive level is that roles like the CEO, the CFO, where maybe their skill set was not necessarily super entwined with technology in the past, there's no question after the last three years, let alone the last five to 10 years, that that has changed. And companies that are led by tech-savvy CEOs and tech-savvy CFOs are the ones that are leading the charge on transforming. But along with those roles becoming more tech savvy, we've also seen the elevation of the CIO within the organization and Mm -hmm. taking a much more strategic role in leading the direction and the strategy of the company because all of these things are becoming so entwined. So that's, I mean, I'm going to kind of group all of those folks as the exact, I'm going to cheat on this so bad. So there's (laughs) like the executives, obviously I've, I've talked through. I think that one thing that we don't spend enough focus on or enough attention, especially tied to this idea of like people-driven change, is all of those folks that are a level down that are in charge of execution against this vision that are leading teams and leading people through a transition, maybe not having the skills to bring their people along on the journey appropriately through that process. 
And so maybe this is more of a challenge versus like uh, what I'm seeing in practice is working really well. Um, but though that that layer of, you know, whether it's VP, director, manager level, it's going to look different in each company, but the people that are in charge of that execution of that strategy are incredibly critical to how it is adopted and how successful the program is, because they're the ones that are having those conversations with the executives, understanding the directive of what that process is supposed to look like. And then they're that crucial communication layer back down to the whole rest of the company of why we're doing things, what's in it for you, how is this going to make your life easier, how is it going to improve our customers' experience, and if that communication layer breaks down, that's when the top-down strategy doesn't work. Just the same way that that like appropriate feedback loop back up through your team who's living and breathing, you know, taking care of your customers and managing your processes every day, there needs to be a feedback loop back up to influencing the strategy. And that middle component is going to be super critical in that communication side of things. Um, and then it just strictly like, again, I, I said I cheated. So then, then like the folks that are in like the front lines, working with your customers, working with your processes, they have to have the right skill sets and be supported the right way to be able to drive transformation for you as well. They're going to have ideas that you never thought of because you're not living and breathing in that space. You don't know what your customers are giving you as feedback. If you're sitting at the top level and it's not by, you know, necessarily malice that you're not aware of that. It's just, you're not living, you don't have that lived experience. Um, so those people need to be involved in some capacity, even if it's just a lunch and learn throughout, you know, three times throughout your project so they can see what's happening and give you feedback and ask questions or strategic subject matter experts that are involved in your requirements validation so that, that you have that level of understanding and that in-depth knowledge of what your processes look like to inform the overall strategy. Um, so my answer really goes back to the idea that everybody needs to be involved, but it, what that role looks like and how it all works together is slightly nuanced depending on where you're looking within the organization. That's great. And I really like that. I, and I, and of course, I know a lot of people tend to just say, well, you know, coming from the top down, it's difficult, but it has to, right? Like it absolutely has to, and it doesn't work if, it, if it's not really starting there, right? Because you need that, you know, you, you use the term executive sponsorship a lot, but it's just, you know, it won't, it'll get, it'll stall, it'll get stuck. You, you'll end up having signs all over your campus without anything to say on it, right? Unless somebody at the top is saying, hey, marketing team, communications team, we need some more help here, right? So you need... You really do need that for it to be successful. So yeah, I completely agree. And I was you know, one of the other reasons I was really excited to talk to you here is I think you and I are similar where we're both in the IT and tech space, you know, technology space, but where neither of us are necessarily tech people. You know, I'm on the marketing side, you're on the sales side. And one question I, I ask a lot of people is why is change so hard? Like, why is transformation and change so hard? And you always get a different kind of IT answer. So I'm curious from your side, why do we find, why do these companies are getting stuck on these old technologies or just not willing to do something they know is working for other people? Like, I look at companies that are kind of new or big companies that are new to intelligent automation and robotic process automation. They see it working for other people. They see it out there, yet they're just so slow to adopt that. So just from your perspective, why are people so slow to change for this kind of stuff? So I think anybody who tries to tell you that they like love change 
is probably lying in some capacity. Um, I'm somebody that like, of course, I love helping my customers change. I love going through this process or I wouldn't be in this industry. But at the same time, like my husband will be the first person to tell you that when Apple pushes an update and something changes that I wasn't expecting it to, I'm going to grumble like a 75-year-old man about the fact that they changed something on me and I wasn't prepared for it. Um, so I think just like by human nature, change is something that is not comfortable for people. Um, regardless, and you can get better at adapting it. You can, there's all sorts of strategies. Like I talked about that idea of like understanding what's in it for you and that type of thing. Um, but so I think that's one element is change is just hard. And, um, if you go back to like evolutionary type stuff, change influences stress and stress tells our body that something that we don't like is happening and you can go into fight or flight mode. And so like at that base level, the, the things that are happening when a change is introduced are not comfortable to humans as like a species. But then when you go to just strict effort, I use this analogy a lot when I'm talking about digital transformation and kind of like what, what it's going to take to get there. It's very, very similar to like a health, wellness, physical fitness type journey. We all know in theory what we should be doing. We all know that we should be transforming our companies, that we should be using technology to enable our people. Um, but the logistics of how we get there are not easy. And it is easier for us to stay in that status quo, not introduce that stress into our lives, not have to go down this process with like delayed gratification before we're gonna get there because it's not gonna happen overnight. And um, when you look at, again, just like across our society, going back to that, like idea of physical fitness, wellness, um, all of those types of things, there's constantly ideas of quick fixes coming at you and ways to kind of cheat or game the system to get your goal quicker and faster and with less effort. And the same thing is the case within digital transformation. If you, you know, I, I have, I hope that I don't portray this in terms of like how I represent technology, but more often than not, a lot of people will present technology as like the quick fix or the thing that's going to solve all of your problems. And especially as we start looking at some like emerging tools, like, you know, different things with elements of AI and that kind of thing. The idea that we've reached this point where like that transformation thing isn't going to take as long as it used to, because our technology is going to solve the problem. That, that's just not realistic and it takes time and you have to be patient and you have to set a strategy and see that strategy through to the end. And that's a really difficult thing if you don't have the right momentum through the process um, and the right focus through the process, which is why I'm such a big advocate of like the people side of change and what it takes to get people engaged, understanding why you're doing it, celebrating small wins along the way so you can build momentum and kind of like break down this large evolution or transformation journey into bite sizes that bite size bites I guess <laughs> that are um that are manageable for your team um and make it so that it's not this big daunting kind of scary change that's looming and gonna take years and years to get there Nice. And I, I keep thinking about when you're saying you, you're not, you don't like the latest iOS update. I, I actually remember, this is going to date myself. I actually remember saying the phrase, 
that DVDs will never replace VHS tapes. Ooh. Like I, I actually <laughs> said that out loud. So, you know, it's everybody, you're right. People, people don't really like change. And, and one thing I think is, I think it goes back to what we were saying before about who's involved, where it's this concept of change takes a village. Like even if like IT says, hey, we're not going to use Google Mail anymore, we're going to use Outlook, there's still so much more involved, right? You know, people have to get trained on it. They have to accept it. They have to start using it. They're going to find that's where shadow IT comes from. They're going to find something else, right? If they don't like it. And, and I think it's so hard to get the village together, right? Especially with these bigger teams. Like I remember one time, and I think a lot of times because IT and development are so involved in these things, it, I find it gets tough because a lot of IT and development people, they're so task oriented. They're great at this is broken, fix it. Or you want to make this Excel spreadsheet go here after this happens. They could do that great. But when there's a little bit more process, someone really needs to lay that out exactly for them. And that's the part that's a little more tricky is really going out there and finding it. I, I remember one time at another job I was at, I was working with a product team on a software we had and I gave a suggestion. I said, uh, can you add a button here that says submit or something like that? And then they did it. And then the next day they sent me, um, they said, here, I updated it. And the button said submit or something like that. Like it, like it literally just did exactly what I said, because that's just how their brains work. You tell me exactly how to do it and I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it well, but someone really needs to sit down. And, and I think that that's where the challenging part comes from. And I think in robotic process automation, that was one of the challenging parts where people are like, oh, a fun tool. I can make all this stuff happen. But someone really needs to understand the process, make sure it works perfectly fine, make sure it works with the other inputs that have to go into it, and then write down exactly what needs to be done, give it to somebody, and then repeat this mm -hmm. completely. And I, I think that's hard. And I think that's hard for a lot of things. So I think it's getting the village together seems to be challenging. Well, and I think we underestimate what changes look like for people often. Um, so you and I were talking about before we started, I just recently started a new position about three months ago. And you had just triggered this for me when you mentioned the idea of like going from Gmail to Outlook, I did the opposite. So 10 plus years in Outlook, I feel like I was a pretty savvy Outlook user. I had all my tools down, whatever else. Um, and I, through my switch now in my new position, I have a Mac and the Google suite. These were not brand new tools to me. I have had a Mac at home. I used it all through college. I have Gmail for my own personal. I was like, oh, this will probably not be that big of a switch for me. But small little things that like you would never anticipate being a challenge for you throw you off your game. So for example, Outlook gives you a 15 minute reminder. Google gives you a 10 minute reminder. When you're used to a 15 minute reminder and you see it go off and you mentally think, okay, I've got 15 minutes to my next meeting. And all of a sudden you look up and you're five minutes late because you've you know, programmed yourself for what that process looks like and how you've been using your tools for such a long time. There is a transition period. And that's, I guess, something we haven't really talked about yet either. But like part of the evolution of transformation too is giving your team the time to transition and get used to using your new tools before you see that immediate uptick in productivity. There's mm -hmm. going to be a time frame where you've gone live, 
you've spent all this money, your team is working with these new tools and they're not effective at using those new tools. And so your timeline before that return can also extend as your team's working through just like the physical logistics of what that change looks like. Um, so there's just so many different dynamics that you really have to unpack as you're going through a transformation um, as like at that macro level, but then even going down to each individual project and down to each individual department and how those different departments are made up of different personalities, mm -hmm. with different propensity to take on change. There's so many dynamics that it really can't be a one size fits all. And so it is very, very difficult to kind of like unite the group and move in the same direction because there's so many dynamics. There's not a perfect plan of execution that will work for everyone. Yeah, and I, I think back to what you were saying about when we talked about who's involved with digital transformation, and you were talking about how you need to be able to get people together and have these lunch and learn sessions. And, you know, the adoption and the internal awareness is so big. Like, I remember when Teams was first really starting to be a more acceptable tool for communication and, you know, rolling that out at a company I was at. And same thing, you know, we made guides and we had lunch and learn sessions and we had all these, these quick things. And at the end of the day, you know, 75% of the people came to the meeting, they went back to the computer, they were like, with open teams, like, this is confusing, and they would just download a free version of Slack, you know, and then just use that, because it, it's true, like, if it, and things, you know, it just, so the adoption level wasn't enough for some people, right, and then I think COVID really kind of pushed that for everybody, but it, Teams was one of those things, like, I, I went from using Teams to Slack, where Slack is arguably a little bit easier, and, but, and Teams, because Teams has so much power to it, but it was almost harder to go from teams to slack kind of going backwards just because I was so used to it but it's yeah any any change is hard but it's it's just all about awareness I really like what you said about having that kind of allowing that buffer time mm -hmm. because I I definitely have been places too and I'm sure you've seen it where you know being in sales if someone buys something and they adopt it and they're kind of like okay is it up is it working is everything running you know where there's a little bit of that impatient level too right so so that can be challenging as well well, and I think it's hard too for companies and I, I don't fault anybody who wants to see the benefits quicker rather than longer, but that idea that you're going to see immediate results from moving through a transformation, even if like your goal, you know, like the yeah. planning and implementation and goal live has happened, there still has to be an accepted time for your team to work through the rest of the changes that need to come along with the journey too. Yeah. And that, that to me, again, is just to keep talking about robotic process automation. It was, it was, that was the same thing where everybody just thought you'd buy the tool that you'd have this full-blown RPA project going on, you know, an initiative going on in your whole company. And that just wasn't the case. You know, there's still a lot of gaps. So, you know, last question for you. So imagine I'm a CEO for a major global organization. What one piece of advice would you give me when it comes to digital transformation? I only get one this time. That's a, that's a big question. <laughs> I, because I already talked about vision, I think what my piece of advice would be, um, would be to look at ways to foster digital literacy, um, across all of the different levels of your organization. Um, selfishly, this is something that I've been focusing a lot of my content on specifically because I see that this is a big need, but going back to where I cheated on my last answer and I said everybody in the company really needs to be involved in your transformation journey. 
that means that everybody in the company needs to have a certain level of digital literacy and understanding of kind of the art of possible to be able to inform that full cooperation and collaboration towards your goals to change your organization. Um, so that might mean that your onboarding looks a little different because you're instilling components of digital literacy as a part of your onboarding. That might mean that your executive team's uh, continuous learning or opportunities for them to go and like network and learn are different than they may have been a few years ago so that they can start to gain those skill sets. That might mean you have things like reverse mentorships in your organization so that your younger employees can help tell your older employees how to use and work and interact with technology. Awesome. Um, there's, there's a lot of different ways that you can foster that digital literacy. Um, but I think that that's going to be increasingly important as we move forward. Um, and increasingly important even as younger generations continue to come in because our school system hasn't really changed. And like, yes, we're using technology. Yes, we're doing things um, to help younger generations be immersed in technology just within their personal life. But I think there's also this myth that like once a young employee is hired, they're automatically gonna know how to use all of this and drive innovation and do these things for us. But we need to, as organizations, work on building that as a skill for our future workforce to be successful. And the companies that can figure that out and help foster that digital literacy up and down the organization are going to be the ones that have an easier time working through our current transition point, but also all of the rest of the transitions that are going to come in the future. Because digital transformation isn't a point in time. It's an evolution that's going to continue as technology continues to evolve. And the companies that figure out how to evolve and bring their team along in that elevate or that evolution are going to be the ones that end up being the most successful on the other end. Awesome. Well, Emma, thank you so much for joining me today. I, you know, when I first had this idea of doing a podcast around digital transformation and intelligent automation, I, I absolutely had to have the digital transformation champ of TikTok on, right? So <laughs> it wouldn't make sense if I didn't. So I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. And I will always welcome the opportunity to talk all about transformation. Nice. So where, where can people find you if you plug yourself a little bit? Yeah, so I'm very active on LinkedIn. Obviously, that's how we got connected. Um, just Emma Roloff, I would say. So it's E-M-A, just one M in my Emma. Um, and then Roloff is R-O-L-O-F-F. -F. Um, and then over, I have a YouTube channel um, that if you're on my LinkedIn, you'll be able to find very easy same name, you'll be able to find me in my weekly interview series there. And then as you mentioned, um, Digital Transformation Princess is my uh, handle on TikTok. Um, or if you just search Emma Roloff and Digital Transformation to bring you to my page there. Um, constantly creating content on a weekly basis or daily basis and some of the platforms across all three of those. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much and uh, good luck for everything you're doing. And I would love to get a chance to talk to you again. This was great. Yeah, thank you for having me. Have a wonderful right. day. You too.